Hey there, listeners. My name is Emily, and welcome to another fabulous episode of E Pluribus Unum. Fabulous, if I do say so myself, but I think we're going to have fun this episode. We're going to talk a little culture. We're going to talk a little religion. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything, because that's what we do here. We talk about a little bit of everything for the grand purpose of bringing people together and E Pluribus Unum, making out of many one. We are many different in a variety of ways, but we can be one if we are united by values, by goals, by purpose, by morality. But to be united, we have to listen to each other and we have to listen to ideas that are different from our own. And that's what I'm here to give you an opportunity to listen to ideas that might be different from your own in a way that I hope is non-confrontational and maybe even a little entertaining sometimes. So let's get into it. Raise your hand if you have heard of the term birthing person. Birthing person is the new term that we now use for mom or mother because we can't say mom or mother because mom or mother is feminine. And in this world that we live in now, someone could give birth and not be a woman, right? Because someone could physically be a woman but identify as a male, thus a man can give birth. Now, I haven't seen or read The Handmaid's Tale, but I'm pretty sure that the term birthing person is the future that Handmaid's Tale warned us about. The future where women are defined solely by their ability to give birth. And that's it. They all, that's all they are to society is birthing machines. Of course, the people who really like The Handmaid's Tale, I'm pretty sure the author, it was The dystopian future that was being warned about was some sort of religious theocracy where that's all women are good for. But as always, the dystopian future comes from the left, just like 1984 coming true and Brave New World and all of those things coming true. It's all the left. It's not the right. And I'm not usually one on this podcast to point to one side or the other because I really like to focus on values that we all can share, but birthing person is just such a disgusting, minimizing term. Think of your own mother. Picture your mother in your head. Hopefully you have a good relationship with your mother. If you don't, you know what? Your mother might be a birthing person to you, strictly the person who gave birth to you. But if you have a good relationship with your mother, to reduce her to a birthing person does that not strike anyone as heartless and, and devoid of meaning? Mom, mommy, mother, ma, ima, you know, whatever language you say mom in, but birthing person? Yeah, that's the person who gave birth to me. That's that's all the connection. It's it's weird. It's just weird. And it's sad. Almost as sad as my camper, I'm a counselor this summer, my camper who is trans, a, she is female and has recently chosen to be male, and her pronouns are it, its. It, its. Not he, his, though she said that she is fine with he, his, or he said he is fine with he, his. But his preference is it, its. I don't care where you stand on the transgender issue. 
the fact that there is a child in this world who is referring to himself as it, its, is a failure of every adult in this child's life, every media personality, every person who has talked about the transgender movement. This beautiful girl who has a stunning voice is referring to herself as it, its. She has been failed by so many people. And as someone who works in education, in schools, and in camps, and with kids, this disgusts me that this bright, engaging, cute girl not only isn't comfortable enough with herself as a woman and thinks she needs to be a man, and she's also bulimic, so there's a lot of things going on here. I understand that there's a lot of things going on with this girl that are troubling, but the fact that she used it, it's it's just so sad and an indictment, I think, of the whole transgender movement. And I say transgender movement, not individual people who identify one way or the other, but a movement is distinct from individuals. And the movement is problematic. By the way, it's interesting to me, I just seems like in the world, there are more people who are trans go male to female than female to male. So it's interesting to me and who knows what her particular reasons are. But I wonder if there's anything to do with it that girls are constantly told how hard it is to be a woman these days, which is so stupid and ridiculous that in America in the 21st century, women are told how hard it is to be a woman, but they are. Does that have anything to do with a woman or a girl choosing to be a man, thinking that maybe her life will be better as a man? I don't know. Could be unrelated. This really most likely is a cry for help and attention. Nonetheless, it is interesting to ponder. I was having a conversation with my dad recently, and then interestingly, I had almost the exact same conversation with my mom the next day, and I had what I think is a revelatory idea, or at least a revelatory revelation. In the United States especially, or for people who are of European descent, who are often told that we just live in our own Western civilization bubble and we don't understand what the rest of the world is like, or we live in our own European privilege bubbles and we don't understand what the rest of the world is like. You know what bubble I'm in? I'm in the theater kid bubble. I was in theater in high school and in college. I don't know what the band kids did. The band kids whose lockers and whose practice room was across the hallway from the theater. I don't know what those band kids' lives looked like. Did they come to school early? Were they performing every other week? Were they in competitions? Where did they eat lunch? Who were their friends? What classes did they take? I don't know anything about their lives. And yet we were a hallway away. This is just how the world works. We are in our bubbles. It's not an indictment of anyone to say that they're in a bubble. We are all in our bubbles. We're all literally in our own bubbles. I'm in my Emily bubble. You're in your Bob bubble whatever your name is, dear listener. It's not some grand conspiracy or purposeful ignoring of other group or other civilizations. 
that's just how it is. All we know is what we know. Should we be open-minded to learning about other ideas? Absolutely. Should we give the benefit of the doubt? Of course, always. Should we walk a mile in another person's shoes before judging them? Most of the time. And I say most of the time because there's absolute morality and sometimes you can judge what people do and you don't have to walk a mile in their shoes or understand their culture. That's how this conversation arose with my mom. I don't remember how it started with my dad, to be honest. But with my mom, she was talking about a conversation she had with my brother and my stepbrother and I think a friend of theirs about morality and how we, and about the idea of morality being relative. And whatever we think is moral is just because we come from a Western background, which is in a way true. What we think of as moral is influenced by Western civilization, the Bible, Greek philosophy, etc. But that doesn't mean it's not a fundamental truth. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about rape, right or wrong? I'm assuming you're all saying wrong. Wrong was the correct answer. That was not a trick question. Rape is wrong. What if there were a society, a culture, where rape was allowed? Would we then say, well, that's their culture, so who are we to judge? No, we wouldn't. We would say rape is wrong and disgusting. That is a bad choice. Morality is not relative. There are absolute moral truths, absolute moral right and wrongs. And it doesn't matter what culture you're from. Maybe some cultures have figured it out and others haven't, but that doesn't mean it's relative. It means maybe we have to help to educate and help to teach. And maybe we don't always need to understand other ways of life. Maybe our way of life is fine and okay. And also maybe we're not bad people for being in our own way of life or being in our own bubble because that's just how the world works, whether it's theater kids and band kids, Western civilization, Eastern civilization, men, women, people who fold their pizza and people who eat it flat. We're all in our different little bubbles. That's just how the world works. So if you've been shopping recently, you've probably realized that a lot of things are made in China, like a lot, most things. There might be some options of a thing, some versions of a thing that are made in the U.S., but most are made in China. And as my dad has pointed out on several occasions, think about what that means, that things are made in China. It means that it's cheaper to ship things overseas from China, have them made in China, ship them back here and sell them, than it is to build them within this country and ship it around. And in some cases, because sometimes it's U.S. materials made in China, that means sometimes it's cheaper to ship materials from the U.S. to China, have things assembled in China and shipped back than it is to just make it right here in the U.S. It's a little mind-blowing, isn't it? Now, here's the thing. I think international trade is great. I think cooperation between different peoples is beautiful. And also the idea that different countries have different things to contribute is an amazing idea. We wouldn't even know about different parts of the world if it hadn't been for trade, right? The spices and people looking for new trade routes. So it's great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But China's a little bit of an interesting choice. And here's why. How many times do we hear people clamoring for things that are ethically sourced? We want ethically sourced coffee, ethically sourced cosmetics. 
which is a beautiful idea. There is a trend among millennials and younger to be concerned with the ethics of companies. This leads to a lot of companies putting up Black Lives Matter signs in their windows, so some of it's misguided. But the idea that a business should be ethical and moral is actually Bible-based. There are plenty of laws in the Torah which dictate how a businessman should run his business and how he should be honest and have honest weights and measures. So having honest, ethical, accountable businesses is a good trend, and the fact that people care about it is good. But I don't really buy it when people keep calling for ethically sourced things and then buy things from China, a place which has child labor and ethnic cleansing of Muslims and also, you know, actual literal communism, which murdered millions of people and still keeps so many people oppressed. You know, go drink your ethically sourced coffee from Pete's or whatever, but don't lecture me about it because you probably bought everything you're wearing from China. And yes, maybe they're US companies, but they're working in China and that's not great. And of course, there are plenty of people in China who are wonderful and I'm sure there are some businesses that are partnered with the US and how things work over there where it's ethical, but you know it's not all ethical. I mean, you've seen those videos of the people working in the iPhone factories and how strict it is over there. And I'm not telling you not to buy stuff from China. I understand it's cheaper and it can be hard to find what you're looking for. Not from China. On the other hand, if it's something that is important to you, maybe it's worth spending a little bit more on something made in the US. Maybe it's worth taking a little bit of more time to shop instead of just finding what's easy. We have to figure out what's important to us, but we also can't then complain if we're not willing to do something about it. I try my hardest. I'm not perfect about it, but I do try really hard to not buy things that were made in China. That's a personal choice. That's where I'm choosing to put my efforts. People put their efforts in different places and that's okay because different people find different causes more interesting or where they're able to put their efforts and that's fine. This is mine, but it is interesting to think about when we're calling for ethically sourced goods that we're then okay buying things from China. Just a little food for thought. It actually goes into my final idea for tonight, which is are you the person you expect others to be? We all have expectations for how other people will treat us. We want them to listen when we speak and not interrupt us. We want them to have patience. We want them to be empathetic to our feelings. We want them to give us the benefit of the doubt when we make a mistake. We want them to be forgiving when we make a mistake. We want them to not cut us off in traffic. We want them to be honest with us, not gossip behind our backs. If we expect all those things from other people, shouldn't we then act that way ourselves? It's sort of like that Gandhi quote, be the change you wish to see in the world. Be the change, not force others to change. Be the change. If you want more, if you want people buying more ethically sourced things, like I just said, then you need to start buying more ethically sourced things. If you want people to be more patient, then you have to be more patient. Be the model of patience so that your friends and coworkers and family are inspired and follow your example. This concept reminds me of a seminal Jewish idea from Ethics of Our Fathers, or Pirkei Avot, from Hillel. And Hillel said famously, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I am only for myself, 
what am I, and if not now, when? So if I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I am not the change I wish to see in the world, who will be? It is up to us to make the changes, to act in a way that we expect others to. We can't, we can have expectations of other people, but it's not really realistic to have expectations of people if we can't live up to them ourselves. Interestingly, so it's, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm not for myself, what am I? Not if I'm not for myself, who am I? If I'm not for myself, what am I? Because when we are, we should care about ourselves because our first responsibility is we should care about ourselves in that we need to work on our own character development and we can't wait or rely on other people to be there for us or to do anything for us. We first have to rely on ourselves and on God. But if we're only for ourselves and we're not thinking about other people at all, and we're not generous and we're not kind, what are we? Again, not who are we, what are we? Because that turns us, if we're only caring about ourselves, that's not human. That takes us from a who to a what. We have to first care about ourselves, but we also have to care about other people. And if not now, when? Okay, I will stop buying things from China, but first I need to buy these 10 things and then I'll stop. I really want to get off social media and stop saying incendiary things, but first let me respond to my stupid cousin from Tallahassee who said this stupid comment. If we don't do something now, when are we going to do it? Later? It's never going to happen later. It has to be now. We just have to do... We just have to do the thing. Whatever the good thing is, get to it now. Don't wait, because once you wait, you'll make other excuses, and you won't get to it. If not now, when? I was going to end, but I actually had one final thought, which I have to share. So on Father's Day, my family has this group text, and people were wishing each other Happy Father's Day. One of my cousins sent a text saying, Happy Father's Day to all the dog dads out there. I love this cousin. A, a beautifuler soul you've never met. But one of our cousins is actually a father to a human, to a child that he helped to conceive. It's not the same as being a parent to a dog. You're not a parent to a dog. I can't believe I even just said that. It's not the same. You are, you own the dog. The dog is not part of the family. The dog is not your child. A dog is a pet. It can be a very loving companion. It can be fun. It can be cute. But it is not the same. And people who call their pets their kids, it is, it's just not right. Because pets are not the same as children. They are animals. And animals are not the same as humans. We are different. Animals are a beautiful part of God's world. They do offer amazing companionship. Some animals are very smart and contribute in very interesting ways. Some are just beautiful to look at. They're part of the ecosystem. Animals, there are tons of laws in the Torah about how we should treat animals and not be cruel. None of this is to say that animals don't deserve proper treatment. But they are not our kids. And, you know, people always point to this is the reason why there's a downfall in society. No, it's this thing. No, it's this thing. I'm not saying this is the or necessarily even a reason for where we are in society, for what's going on. But we should not be calling our pets our children because people get confused. If you 
Language informs how we think. And if you often enough use the term pets or your children, people are going to start equating pets and children. And then it goes back to that Dennis Prager thing. What if your child and your dog are both drowning? Who do you save? Well, they're both your child. So now it's not a choice between your pet and your child. It's two of your children. And I know this sounds ridiculous and maybe a little slippery slopey, but how we use our language matters. How we think about things matters. And pets are not children. They are pets. They are animals. Anyway, that's all I have for you folks today. I know that was a lot of little things. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you, as always. Remember to be the person you expect others to be. And one way to start doing that is to always be a little kinder than necessary. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And please share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit from some common sense and thoughtfulness. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at E Pluribus Unum Podcast. You can also find me on Locals at E Pluribus Unum Podcast.locals.com. The intro and end music is Chopin's Etude Opus 10, number one in C major, known as the Waterfall Etude. <laughs>